Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah, let's do that. All right, it's been a while. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, well, welcome back, Matt. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we, we haven't had you on this show in a couple weeks because of... Um, alien abduction or political intrigue i'm not really sure um we'll figure it out at some point <laughs> just a, um, a little bit of international travel that's all yeah yeah um but it's good to have you back and uh i figured we would jump right in to a delicious plate of spaghetti spaghetti oh. code that is i see what you did there yeah um so spaghetti code oh right also this is hacking the grepson the podcast you're listening to right now with Matt and Mike. And today we're going to talk about spaghetti code. Matt, if, if someone said, um, ugh, I, I'm staring at a big screen full of spaghetti code, what, what, what would that mean to you? To me, that would mean that they were looking at uh, a big blob of code that was unstructured, uh, not well, difficult to maintain, um, all that stuff, right? Like, just... The unstructured, I think, is the most important part of that. A, ba- a large amount of unstructured code. Unstructured. Now, when you say unstructured, though, like that makes it seem like you could have something, like like you could try to be doing object-oriented but failing, or it could just be like a series of functions, or it could be... One big like, function? <laughs> one. It could be one big function. Um, and I think people, you know, it, it got the name Spaghetti Code because it's kind of a big mess kind of like a big lump of spaghetti and yeah. you don't it's really all know tangled up it's all tangled up like a big we- uh, web or something yeah um so do you uh write spaghetti code at least knowingly ever i think everybody writes spaghetti code. everybody that writes code i think writes some amount of spaghetti code i never mean to but it, it happens and i frequently work in spaghetti code that other people have written and mm-hmm. If you don't change it, then you are also writing spaghetti code just by the nature. Like, if, if you don't do a big re-architecture, the spaghetti, spaghettification of the code just continues to happen. <laughs> yeah, usually when I think of spaghetti code, like, I think of uh, a project that was, or a program that was started without, like, a clear delineation of uh, kind of functions and tasks and, like, here's the file structure Here's where the directories are, what, you know, what should be in the directories, uh, you know, certain like, like functions or logic in specific files uh, that, that are more modular so that they could be, uh, you know, focused on or tested more easily or, you know, just, just analyzed better. Like if someone gave you a project, if it was spaghetti code versus non-spaghetti code, the spaghetti code one would be much harder to follow just reading and trying to pick up on what it does for sure and i think some languages lend themselves more to being readable and some don't sorry sorry (laughs) i I must have picked up something yeah a little bit uh yes definitely that was definitely what i had in mind uh uh, but but it's not just that one like many languages like i would you can write spaghetti code in any language some Mm -hmm. it just happens more naturally uh, some you have to try harder t- 
to not write spaghetti code because they just just naturally happens. You mentioned before though um, that when you think of spaghetti code, you think of it as like there wasn't an upfront plan. But I've absolutely seen code that started with an upfront plan and went off the rails somewhere. Like the code, someone you know hacked a fix in for a bug, and then someone else did. And then there was mm-hmm. a feature, and well, we could rewrite it, but what if I just add this here? It doesn't really make sense, but it's not that bad. You do that a thousand times, it is that bad. Uh, yeah. You can even have spaghetti at the architecture level, where the different modules just like all cross talk, and there's a bunch of circular dependencies and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. So, so, so what you're saying is that like it doesn't matter if it's like a solo dev and their side project, or you know Google's latest mono repo, uh, it could. It, it it is um, it could turn into spaghetti code either way, like one person or many people, small project, big project. It's all potentially turning to spaghetti at some point. Yeah, I'd say the more I was going to say the more people that work on it, the more likely it is. But I don't know that that's true because I think it's actually the most likely in a single person code base. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I think the size of the code base is probably a huge factor. Uh when it comes to whether or not the code ends up all spaghettified. Um, because the more, the more code there is, the more likely it is that different pieces of code are talking to each other. And mm-hmm. the more like, and that always gets complicated. And you mentioned a mono repo. I think mono repos absolutely encourage spaghetti code. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, why is that? Because everything's right there together. So you can take the shortcuts Usually spaghetti code, I think, comes about because it's faster mm-hmm. to write the code that way and get the result you want. And that's more difficult to do if you have a highly modular program, right? If you don't have mono repo, you probably have a whole bunch of different repos that are each their own little component or module or service or whatever that has a clear API, generally speaking. Like if you're doing a, a microservices type architecture, those will tend to be less spaghettified. Although, again, I've absolutely seen those things not be... If any of those modules aren't defined well, the spaghettification happens just trying to use them. Right. So so it, so spaghetti, spaghetti code is not just like the whole project itself, but it can be both that and within just a single module or a single file or something like yep, that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could have a really highly uh, object-oriented project that's really well written, lots of good classes. And then someone could come in and write their own class and it could be all spaghetti. And mm-hmm. that, that happens all the time. Um, yeah. Similarly, you could have spaghetti code and you could add something to it and do it correctly so that you don't add more spaghetti to the plate. Uh, more sauce? I don't know. <laughs> more sauce? <laughs> well, I would... So you don't add any meatballs? Actually, the meatballs yeah. seem like the good thing here because they're easily, you could take them out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right. No, that's good. Well, I was just trying to think of, like, like what is the opposite of spaghetti code to use a food metaphor? I mean, is it meatballs? Are ice the meatballs cubes. the good thing? Ice cubes? <laughs> I don't know. I was I don't trying know to think of the opposite of spaghetti is. String cheese, right? It's, like, nice Something solid individual. And yeah, it's something stratifying. that comes individually wrapped. I don't know which one. <laughs> uh, yeah, individually wrapped string cheese. Make your code, like, individually wrapped string cheese. Well, no, because the string cheese peels off into spaghetti that's terrible we can't go with that that's true but but actually that is that is actually a really apt analogy then because it's so easy to do that spaghetti code is like the default state of code so so so, well much like the universe 
it wants to go towards entropy. And it Absolutely. is our job to stop that and and undo it, right? Yeah, we're entropy fighters. That that should be the new title for software engineers: entropy fighters. Entropy fighters. That sounds pretty good. Um, yeah, I was just thinking of like uh, one of the projects that I've been working on, among others, is that uh, Boggle web app that's sort of like Wordle but as Boggle. Yes, I am still working on it. Um, but to use it as an example, you know, I didn't start it with a framework. Uh, you know, it's not a Ruby on Rails, it's not an Angular, it's not a Vue. I think the original Wordle is actually written in Vue.js, like, based on the source that I've seen and, and like, the, the the code it spits out on the page. Um, but I just went with, like, okay, let's start with an HTML page, let's add some CSS to it, now let's add some JavaScript to give it interactivity until it is a boggle game. Um the problem with that is, you know, I add files and it starts out as like app.js. And then I realize that app.js is now a thousand lines long with just, you know, uh, properties. I mean, I have one global object. You know, we have the Bogdol global object, which is one very simple way to sort of like put your code not on the um, global window object which is what most people do when you're writing JavaScript. When you just write a line of JavaScript, it's just going against that. So you make the Bogdal dot do thing one, do thing two, but you still have one big file full of Bogdal dot something doing things. And really what you want is to modularize and break that out into its own sections. But it's like what you said how code wants to be spaghetti and how it starts out that way and it's our job to stop it it's because like ooh, what's fun refactoring this code or adding another feature or fixing a bug hmm i wonder and thus the spaghetti just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i think i need an intervention matt but i don't know how to stop well this is where you need someone <laughs> like me because i actually do think refactoring code is fun like that <laughs> i get great joy out of making my code more efficient not from a runtime perspective, but from a developer perspective. Like, I like the code to be super, super readable. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing about the way you, like, the way you just described that project is you can absolutely piecemeal things out. Like, if you just start dividing it up into, like, the different types of objects or whatever, even if the code inside that stays spaghetti, if you get the files organized, that gives you that sort of starting place, which is why I think you were saying when you start with something like Ruby on Rails, that gives you that framework. I mm -hmm. think it also gives you the division of the files. And I think yes. that makes a big, uh, you know, adding a file to a project shouldn't be difficult, but it's it's a pain. Like there's a barrier to entry of doing that. Yeah. So you're more likely to add it into a place that it already exists. Right. There's already add code here. Tool. Yeah. Yeah. Why would, yeah, because as soon as you add another file, it's like you're adding another dependency and another like, connection that can break or something although yep. yeah bringing up ruby on rails um so we use angular at my work for a big project and you know you don't just start with an html page and add css and add javascript like my side projects you you say you know angular new project yes and then you get all the structure and that structure is known and so when you go when you start having issues you can you know go on the internet or talk to other angular developers and be like hey I'm having an issue in this particular part, and they already have an idea of what you're talking about because all these projects should have a rough 
approximation in terms of their structure. Whereas my homegrown custom thing, nobody knows how it works because no one has built that specific, you know, uh, app ever before. So exactly. Even though, you know, there's, there's standard, have we done a design patterns, uh, I think we episode did. I, I think I th- I know we've done different types of things. We did paradigms, but that's not quite the same thing. We should do it. We should do a coming soon to hack the, hacking the Grepson design patterns. Stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. Yes. Will Cora be in trouble this week? Oh, sorry. Uh, um, next on the Flash. No, sorry. Uh, but what the hell were we talking about? Oh. So there are absolutely ways you can organize your code and the design patterns just kind of make that easier. And so there are, you know, so they do follow a pattern so you can reach out. I mean, the whole purpose of design patterns is to have that that sort of common language uh, so mm-hmm. that you can discuss problems regardless of the, what do they call it, the business context of the problem. You can discuss mm-hmm. sort of the structure of the problems really nicely with design patterns. And so that kind of leads to, you know, what, what I was saying earlier about the number of people who are working on the project isn't necessarily an indicator of whether or not you're going to have spaghetti. I think it, I think it's like a, like a bell curve, maybe upside down. It's more spaghetti uh, on the extreme edges, but like one person, because they don't have to talk. If you're, if you're a, sing, a solo developer on a project that no one else is looking at, why wouldn't you just do it the way that's easiest for you right. to do, right? Right. You had a second person in there. If you're equal partners from the beginning, you're more likely to want to try to do something with some sort of uh, co- obvious combined thing. But you might still have those conversations about, let's do it this way. And then there there gets to be a critical mass where you kind of have to follow design mm-hmm. patterns. And then it gets, and then, but then there's also, it gets so big where it's just not worth it anymore because you can't get every single person to reinforce. So like you come out the other side and you get spaghetti again. It's just spaghetti all the way down. Like, yeah, except for right I, in that sweet spot, you got to get the, the two pizza team. <laughs> but, but at some point, you know, you got to pull out the Tupperware and you got to put the spaghetti into a Tupperware. Otherwise yeah. the spaghetti just goes all over the place and then you can't, you can't, you can't track it anymore. But, and I'm not sure how this analogy works, but I'm going to extend it No, anyway. let's keep pushing it. Just keep going. <laughs> you know how when you put spaghetti in a Tupperware and then you take the spaghetti out, it's stained. Like, you can't wash that out. That spaghetti stain, that color stays in the Tupperware. You can't get that to go away. Gasp. I'll bet there's, there's something there. No, there's totally. Yeah, th- th- this yeah. is un- an unmined, uh, yeah. untapped mine of, of insight <laughs> yeah, right here. We're pivoting right now. Hacking the Grepson is just spaghetti code analogy extension. Yes, on. this is a food podcast. I'm sorry if you're here for programming, <laughs> but it's food from here on out. So the um, Parmesan is like the code review kind of. <laughs> right, right. Um, but no capers. I don't want to get into the capers. I'm with um, you on that one. That's for our bank so... robbing podcast. <laughs> nice. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think we've pretty well established that, like, just to you know, wrap up a little bit here, that spaghetti code is not necessarily like this bad thing that you should avoid at all costs because it really depends on the context that you're doing it. Like if you're writing a, a you know, a side project and it's one big functions.php, which I have done plenty of in the past, um, and it works and no one else needs to work on it or, 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 you know, mess with it, then it works. Um, 
until but you come you back know, to it six months later and have no idea what you did. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the person that you're not thinking about solo developer is future you solo yes. developer. They are going to hate now solo developer spaghetti code. You don't know that yet. Um, so try to avoid it. And, 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 you know, although it, it's, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not like the ultimate sin that your, your program is spaghetti code. You know, if it works, it works. Yay. But, you know, uh, for the sake of future people, including yourself and people who might look at it, try to avoid it. Matt, my, my final question to you is like, since I've already outlaid this this issue, and I'm trying to frame this episode as a, a a faux intervention, how do I turn my few files of spaghetti code into something that you know I would actually want to share with the world and not be ashamed of? Um, I think the best answer to that it probably differs by person, right? Mm -hmm. So I hate writing tests, but if I was good at writing tests and I didn't mind them, test driven development does a really good job of allowing you to break apart code easier, right? So you write the test first and your code works. And if the code behind the scenes is all spaghetti code, but it works great. Refactoring that's really easy because you got the test there, right? It's not even a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're like me and you're bad about doing that, even though you've been preaching about it for f like 10, 15 years, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to find something else. Me, I like object oriented programming. So I start by figuring out, like I start from classes always when I'm writing mm -hmm. code. Um, but I think probably the right answer is when you go to add a feature that it's going to be a pain to add because of the structure of your code, that's the time to rip out that piece of it into its own area. Like take the opportunity when you can to make small changes and it will, it, it'll have a, a ripple effect, uh, an exponential multiplier, I think is what they call that. <laughs> I mean, sure, that sounds good in theory, but like I could just add this new feature to this one file and I'd be done and I could go, you know, kick back some beers with the boys. Like, why would I do that? I think it's the case is going to take you more boys, time. Do I don't know why you would do that. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I, I do think, though, it, it comes down to at some point the code gets so unwieldy that you almost have to do some refactoring in order to manage it because it becomes not fun to write the features in mm. the spaghetti code. As long as you're able to manage it, spaghetti code is okay. It's just, mm -hmm. it's not ideal because at some point it, because it doesn't scale, it right. doesn't scale to a large number of people, doesn't scale to a large amount of code and doesn't scale over time because you will forget. Uh, but as right. long as it's working. So, I mean, I guess it tracks then that my like side projects that are solo development projects, you know, stay spaghetti code because it's just me and they work and they're not so tangly masses of tomato sauce that i can't you know untangle them but something at work with multiple people that's much more complicated from the get-go you know there's no way that it's tenable to stay with something custom like that and instead using an established framework like you know symphony angular view cake php ruby on rails whatever um is probably a better bet from the beginning. And that's actually what we ended up doing. Like the the code the code base that came before the Angular was a custom, only we knew how it worked. And we're like, we need to have something that has, you know, that other people have built. Uh, yeah. and Because at so, some point you're going to hire another person or you're going right. to leave or someone's going to get hit by a bus or something. At some wow, point, dark. somebody else has yeah. to look at that. Uh, <laughs> and you got to do something. 
I, I will say I write a lot of spaghetti code at the beginning of a project, but yeah. one of the first things I do if I've done that, like before I go on to anything past like the initial release of something, that's when I usually do my refactoring. Uh, mm -hmm. I really like interpreted languages for this, Python, JavaScript, any of the Ruby, uh, any of those kind of things. I frequently write code in the interpreter first, mm -hmm. and that code is always a mess. But that's where I right. get all my prototyping done. And my mm -hmm. prototypes are always spaghetti code and a bit of a mess. And then when I go to turn it into a real product is usually when I start to fix that. Ha has a project ever gotten so out of hand that you thought it was actually better to just burn it down and start over from scratch knowing what uh, you know now? Always. Every okay. project I've ever worked on, <laughs> I can absolutely say that that is, that, that is my instinct. I always want to burn it down to start over. Uh, right. I think, but when you're working you with other people, so much by writing it, yeah, you, you you can't say, "Hey, team of you know twelve, I've decided that this code base is too bad to save, and I'm burning it down. Let's start over." How and do I've you convince tried. them? I've I've tried to do this. I was yeah. even in a position where I I had some authority where I could do that. It's it's that's an uphill battle. People do not like to th to throw away their baby. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're very well, precious about their well, code. Well, because it's the uh, you know it's the sunk cost fallacy. I've I've spent all this time, and look at all this stuff I've produced. But I think as we've said before, like it's it's not the 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 end the end game is not to amass a pile of things you've made. It's to build up the experience that you've learned from doing those things, so that you can just create them at will. Yes, you know, exactly. and so that's why burning it down doesn't matter because you know you can rebuild it, but. So it's almost like an insecurity of someone who doesn't think they can rebuild it that doesn't want to burn it down. And yeah. so that's just some place you got to get to eventually, but you know, we, we're not all there yet. So go eat your spaghetti, people. Yeah. Oh, and spaghetti squash. That's pretty good, too. That is good and healthier for you. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Well, that's Spaghetti Code. Hopefully this was a delicious and appetizing episode of Hacking the Grebson. Thank you for being with us. We now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. Bon appétit.